Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off. And that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, happy Monday, and we're glad you are with us. It's obvious that programs like this, shows like I have on the Fox News Channel, after watching as much as I could possibly handle over the weekend, are needed, in my humble opinion, and I I don't say this arrogantly, although it'll be taken that way, more than ever. There's developing in this country... A groupthink swamp mentality that is beyond inexplicable at this point. And I remember writing somebody before they went to the White House, and I remember saying to them that I hope you're ready, and I hope you get a good lawyer. This person's like, huh? And by the way, the, the people, I've sent it to a number of people that whose names, all of which you would know. And they're like, what? Huh? What? And... That I said, anything you've done up until your life to this point is kindergarten compared to the arena you're about to enter. And know this, that the deep state swamp 
I said it in these terms, not verbatim, I'm paraphrasing, is going to resist the, your father and his change agenda so much so that they're going to take as much collateral damage as they possibly can. You have, no, you have experienced nothing like this in your life. One of the people wrote me back just a few minutes ago on a text and said, wow, I had no idea. You were more right than I ever thought possible. And, and that's a lot of what we're going to address today. We have a lot of topics that we're going to get into. One is that one hour from right now, you've been hearing about the hacking, the ransomware, WannaCry went, ransomware, and 150 countries uh, that are attacked. And although apparently nothing within our government yet, cyber attacks that started Friday are now spread all throughout Europol, and, and they're worried about their systems we see, you know, it's World Web, World War Web is what Drudge called it today. Putin is out there blaming the U.S., which I find interesting. You got this computer bug spreading all day today. Experts playing catch up, trying to stop the damage and limit the damage. Um, apparently, you have articles out there suggesting that a lot of this software could have actually originated within our intelligence community. That'll be interesting to see if whether or not that's true over time. By the way, that would be in fitting with exactly what Julian Assange said. How many times have I said Julian Assange is good for America in this way? And nobody wanted to listen to me. Julian Assange, when he was 16, hacked into NASA, the Department of Defense, and other government agencies. 16. He's not 16 anymore. How old is Julian Assange today? Do we even know? 40, 45, 50? I don't even know. And for years, he's been warning that this is coming. And remember, he did the release of the CIA. He's 45 years old. Remember, he did the CIA Fault 7 release. And I, I tried to do a deep dive into that. I'll be honest. It's it's not my area of expertise. I'm just not. That's why we have experts coming on in the next hour. And he tried to remind you. And if you're missing what's happening, I mean, it's it's not it's really beyond the pale. And as much as what they're trying to do here, you know, you've got this ransomware attack like that comes up on your computer and it's now hit more than a couple hundred thousand victims, 150 countries and many organizations and people are wondering if whether or not they are at risk for an attack. And anyway, apparently it runs on a Windows operating system. That means that's I've been having so many problems with Windows recently because they're trying to update constantly. And, you know, most people are, are figuring out we'll also get into how you can protect yourself and your family. But what happens when this thing comes flying into your system is, well, they they basically store up all of your data. It starts with an unsolicited email typically designed to trick the victim into clicking on an attachment or going to some web page. Then the ransomware leverages flaws in the computer's operating system, in this case Microsoft, and force it to run a ransomware code. And then the ransomware encrypts important files in the system and demands a ransom payment using the political, using the digital currency uh, Bitcoin that they have. And then the WannaCry ransom uses the Windows flaw to replicate itself and spread around the entire computer network. Whoosh, just basically blowing you up. Now you have to wonder, all right, is our electrical grid safe? Are we safe? What about all these businesses in Asia disrupted by the cyber attack? And now authorities bracing for more. I mean, it's pretty bad. So we'll get to that later in the program. And, you know, an FBI says they never, uh, never examined. You know, think back to this. When you're talking about the FBI, and we'll get into this later today, but... You know, at some point, we've got to realize cybersecurity is real. 
And we've been warning about it. We've been discussing it. We've been talking about it. We've been telling you the dangers of it. And other people have not. And I am saying that this is a real national security issue. Anyway, so some of the things we're going to get to today is I'm going to get into the issue of leaks at the White House for just a minute. And then we're going to get into the Comey. What what the feeding frenzying media is not telling you about James Comey. James Comey had to be fired. And I'll explain this hour why he had to be fired and why he had to be let go. And, you know, all of the the hysteria now that is in the media and the swamp that is wanting to do everything within their power to destroy Donald Trump because he threatens the entire system. I mean, you have an alliance now emerging. I noticed that the never Trumpers people started coming out late last week. And the never Trumper people, you know, they're interesting to watch. And the never Trumper people come out and all the only reason they've come out, the only reason they've been silent is because what are they going to say about Neil Gorsuch? What are they going to say about reducing regulation? As the president has done, what are they going to say about the president opening Keystone and the Dakota pipeline and bringing the coal industry to a place where they can actually do business again and getting rid of Obama era regulations that have been so burdensome to that industry, as well as many other energy sector industries? You know, what are they going to say when the president, you know, fighting liberals in his own party, you know, is able to advance the first steps towards eliminating and repealing and replacing Obamacare? What are they going to say when he's he's taken the first steps to sending education back to the states or the first steps towards executive orders uh, against those people that come from countries that practice Sharia? It's only seven countries, never was a Muslim ban, but it certainly is the right of Americans to know the mindset of people coming into this country, especially if they have values that come from countries with values that deeply contradict our own constitutional values or building a wall for security. You know, so there's a lot in play here, and the never-Trumpers have had to be quiet. And now I noticed over the last week that they're getting a little louder. And what you see is an unholy alliance that I never really thought would emerge, but you've got the entire D.C. swamp as represented by the media that sense they're now in a feeding frenzy mode in the media. There's all groupthink. They just, they can't believe Trump won. They can't get over it. They've been advancing one tinfoil hat conspiracy theory after another. And they have now aligned with the weak Republicans that never supported the president, even when he was their candidate. And then you have the never Trumper people that, you know, they've been hoping and praying. They, they wanted to release my obituary in my career on November 9th. And they're so mad at me because they can't release that obituary. And nor do they want to face the truth about how wrong they were and how Trump is advancing a a very conservative agenda on most fronts with deep resistance, like the resistance I've never seen before. And then you've got to add to that, you know, you got the media, then you got Republicans, weak Republicans, then you got Democrats that have always hated them. And then you got the deep state that's obviously hating him and leaking on him and trying to destroy him, as Chucky Schumer said six ways from Sunday that you better not take on the intelligence community. They're going to they're going to tear you up and spit you out. So you got all of this happening. And sadly, what is even making the problem worse is there was a political article that Drudge linked to his the top of his page last week. Thirty one people in the White House, they cite or connected to the White House that are leaking against the president. Maggie Hagerman over the New York Times, I think it was her article that said 13 or 15 or 18 sources close to the president giving the president's mindset on James Comey before the firing. And I'm thinking now. 
if you have the honor of working in that house and serving the American people, which should be the reason you're working in the White House, then you've got to be committed to the promises the president made to the American people. And yet I see all of these leaks, and it seems like so many people around the president now have their own agenda. And I don't know who they are. I can't, you know, I have my suspicions. I think that there's a lot of people that have their own agendas around him and that they're fighting. And now that now the president is, according to reports, thinking about a, a significant change of those people around him. And that just makes his job twice as hard. And I don't understand a mindset that doesn't go there with, with the attitude, I've got to serve the country, that it's an honor to be in that house, that it's an honor to be able to serve a president, that you believe in the agenda, not your agenda, his agenda. The promises he made to the American people because he believes that will get the country back on course after eight horrific years of Barack Obama. So, you know, it's it's become enormously difficult. And on top of that, I have a I'll make it short and sweet. But now the deep state media with with the sense of smelling blood in the water they made it impossible for Sean Spicer to do his job or Sarah Huckabee to do her job. And they're just out for their gotcha moment every single minute of every single day. And I personally think in the day and age of the president having, what, between 50 and 100, I don't know how many he has. He has two Twitter accounts. Is that real Donald Trump at POTUS? And then he has Instagram. I don't know how many people are on Instagram. He has Facebook, millions on Facebook. And he doesn't really need the media so why are we going to do the, the dog and pony show act every day where the media every, you know, CNN starts and then ABC, NBC, CBS start. And all those reporters want is their moment to look like they're the toughest so they can show it on their individual network. They're not looking for policy information to pass on to the American people. They have their own agendas. And it's gotten so hostile and so bad so quickly. I don't see any problem with the president saying, all right, there's a new and better way to do this. That creates a less hostile environment for everybody, and that actually helps inform the American people. And what they should do in the press office, in my opinion, is every day they should take the top 10, 15, 20 stories of the day that they know they're going to be questioned on. And they ought to print up before they do the the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock briefing every day. The answers to all the predictable questions go out and hand it to every person in the White House briefing room, in the press room, and then stand at the podium answer those questions if they want a little more texture or context to what the written answers are. And if they want to ask something else, they can. And you can say, I'll get back to you tomorrow on that. And that'll be part of our our written response tomorrow. Now, that's what I would do. Because you can't have leaking and you can't have a, an environment where the media is just trying to play gotcha. And the so-called one conservative over at NBC News, Joe Scarborough, oh, the main... You know, he's in, if there's articles of impeachment he's talking about today, for what, Joe? For what? It drawn up against Donald Trump, it'll be the first article of impeachment. It'll be the same as Richard Nixon, obstruction of justice. Now, I'll lay out the reason why Comey had to be fired by any standard in a minute. I'll do it on TV tonight with the accompanying tape. But it's so far beyond groupthink hysteria it's sobering how insane people have gotten. Anyway, we'll get to that. We'll get to your calls also. And we'll check in with our cyber experts uh, later in the program at the top of the next hour. Uh, we're going to tell you about a race in South Carolina that 
is Freedom Caucus versus the Chamber of Commerce. Sarah Carter, the senior national security correspondent for Circuit News. We're going to look at the crimes that Comey gave Hillary a pass on. How does she how does she get a pass and Christian Saucier gets a year in jail? I know two things about you. You believe in objective, absolute truth. There's such a thing as black and white, not just shades of gray. And when it comes to politics, you like to think, not emote. But do you think like this when it comes to ethics, religion, and morality? Check out a podcast for thinking conservatives, issues, etc. Issuesetc.net. When you surf the web tonight, check out issuesetc.net. Anyway, I want to remind you, you got to protect your, any, if you're a believer in the Second Amendment, you want to protect your firearms, keep them safe at home, right? If you have, for example, valuables, if you have important papers, well, you're going to need a safe. Now, I did all my research long before Liberty Safe ever became a advertiser to this program. I own five of them now. I have a big one, a medium-sized one, and I have three small, quick-access handgun bolts spread strategically around my house and after i did my own research looked at all the reviews liberty safe was by far the best choice and it gives you incredible peace of mind if you have a liberty safe in your house it comes with a lifetime warranty by the way their customer service is off the hook out of control better than anybody and right now you can save up to 250 bucks when you buy at libertysafe.com just by using the promo code hannity Liberty's going to give you up to 250 bucks off in discounts and in rebates and they're just the best built safe on the planet and they're made in the usa so get your safe today at LibertySafe.com, promo code Hannity, to save 250 bucks. LibertySafe.com, promo code Hannity. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone. Linda, why are you in there shaking your head like, amen, brother? You agree. I mean, it is now, there is a group think shark blood water mentality that is now emerged, and it's every disparate group, if you will, a coalition of bizarre partners that has emerged, never Trumpers, weak, timid Republicans that are part of the establishment problem and the swamp problem. It's the media which can't deal with the fact they were so wrong and hate the president that much than Democrats. And it is it's sort of like a perfect coalition. Now, do I think they have the president? No. Do, is there any evidence of Russian collusion? No. But any little thing that they might deem that they can somehow tinfoil conspiracy hat grab onto and hold on to, they're going to do it. And, you know, and then you got I, I think the most telling in this is the emergence or reemergence of the never Trumper movement. They've been relatively quiet since the election. They haven't really been celebrating his successes. They've been waiting for him to fail and they've been waiting to jump back in and. And bring me back into the mix because they wanted my obituary out there for all to see on November 9th. And this isn't about me. I'm just making a point. But I represented somebody that supported him. Now, I do think the net effect of this is actually like everything else in life. It's going to boomerang and it's going to backfire. And when Trump spoke, the president spoke to Liberty University at their commencement address this weekend, I noticed when he goes directly to people, he's able to circumvent the whole swamp. I don't know how long that lasts or whether it lasts forever. I mean, but he does have this intangible something that connects with people on a very deep and profound level where every narrative that they advance that he's crazy, corrupt, the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, he's able to transcend it all in every speech and every town hall and every appearance that he's making. He maybe doesn't do as well in the interviews, but that is... 
you know, when he's in front of the people that like him, that elected him for a reason, all the things that I talked about, the successes that nobody will give him credit for, I guess, but me and a few others, he's at his best. He's on his game. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, it's funny watching on crowing frustration. Where is the evidence? Byron York wrote a good piece. Where's the evidence about the F, you know, about the Russia probe? How long has this now gone on? All right, before the election, after the election, but really the narrative just it just kept taking on new urgency and energy even without any evidence because the Democrats, Hillary in particular, they needed an excuse. And the excuse was, how did they lose? You know, when you really think about it, calls for a special prosecutor, that's, that's only to delegitimize, hurt the president, and try and distract and, and literally harp on this every day so he can't advance his agenda. That's what they want more than anything else. They want to stop Trump from being successful, advancing his agenda. Then, they can, then they'll feel better about themselves and their failed policies will become a distant memory by the next election. That's their political strategy in all of this you know so the fbi we got two houses of of congress the house and the senate investigating james comey question after question after question no evidence no evidence no evidence you know it's how how did we get here when does this ever end when did the american people if ever get a definitive answer about any of the issues involving the president you know, now there's so much to so many different nuances here. You know, my answer, James Comey, I can't answer that about, you know, without. But this is the guy that went out there and exonerated Hillary Clinton on July 5th, which we'll get to in a second. I can't answer this about the Russian probe. When can you answer it? Sally Yates, he never asked a question about the Russian probe. James Clapper first says no. Now he's being political. Showing up on MSNBC almost daily. I, I predict James Comey is going to be a contributor or hosting his own show probably within a month on NBC. Fits right into their tinfoil hat conspiracy lineup. And he's going to write his book and do a movie and, and go out there on the speaking mashed potatoes circuit, work for NBC, and trash Trump and make a living at trashing Trump, just kind of like Colbert and Bill Maher and... Saturday Night Live will all have record ratings because the hate Trump crowd is loud. They are they're energized and and they're they're actually believing the conspiracies which just feeds their energy. Conspiracy theory TV is good news. It's fake news, but it's you know, it's good news for liberals. Yes, the Russians are coming. You know, is this all festers? You know, you've got. Ranking members, the Democrats, Republicans of the Senate Judiciary Committee, they're pushing the FBI, other agencies, let Congress know what they're doing. And as Byron York pointed out, lawmakers want to see evidence. Is there any evidence as to why this investigation is focusing not just on Russia misdeeds? Tell us. Tell the American people what it is. Anyway, Charles Grassley, he actually... And the ranking member, Dianne Feinstein, sent a letter to the FBI acting director, Andrew McCabe. And the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, demanding briefings on the latest in the Russia investigation. Last paragraph of the letter, as York points out, that the senator's patience is running thin. Please contact the staff by 5 p.m. today to schedule the briefings, Grassley and Feinstein write. It's bad for the country. 
It's, it's a false narrative that's bad for the country. And, you know, does that mean that the deep state, as Chucky Schumer warned, is going to come out after? After the president? Because they can get you six ways in Sundays. Rand Paul, by the way, said another senator was surveilled by the Obama administration, which is another reason why, for crying out loud, you know, Comey had to go. The only one crime we know was committed is not being investigated. That was the unmasking and leaking of intelligence as it relates to General Michael Flynn. And then it gets louder. You got Representative Cummings. The rest of invest- Russia investigation is a fight for the soul of our democracy. Now, as Peter King rightly pointed out, is more evidence of links between Russia and Hillary than Russia and Trump, i.e. the Uranium One deal that I went into in great detail the other day. You know, if you go back to the original letter and you go back to the original comments on July 5th, we, we start doing a deep dive here. And as the memorandum by General, Attorney General, uh, Deputy Attorney General uh, Rosenstein said, The FBI has long been regarded as the nation's premier federal investigative agency, and the reputation of the FBI and their credibility are suffering substantial damage, and it's affected the entire Department of Justice, and it's beyond troubling. And the current FBI director is articulate and persuasive, et cetera. He deserves our appreciation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I do not understand his refusal to accept the nearly universal judgment that he was mistaken. And how he handled, first of all, it wasn't his jurisdiction. That was the role of Loretta Lynch, even if she was compromised and needed recusal. It was not his role to go out there and publicly exonerate Hillary Clinton. It was his role to turn over evidence that they gathered as it relates to Hillary Clinton, the email server, the the Clinton Foundation, etc. And almost everyone agrees that the director made mistakes. One of the few issues, as Rosenstein pointed out, that unites people of diverse perspectives. And we got this, you know, so on that level, and then there's the level of this. Hillary Clinton committed multiple felonies. Hannity, how can you say that? What do you know? Well, let's go to the FBI director, and let's go to his own words, and let's go to July 5th, and let's go to what he said, because he himself laid out the case for indicting Hillary for 13 solid minutes before he then said, never mind. Now, everything you're about to hear, Hillary Clinton used multiple servers. Okay, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to remove classified, top secret, special access intelligence from the State Department. It's a crime. She put it on multiple devices. She sent and received multiple emails, you know, on her personal domain. Millions of email fragments left on servers she wasn't using. By the way, we now 99.9% certain five foreign intelligence agencies hacked her. And her team was extremely careless. And that 110 emails containing classified information at the time that they were sent or received. Felony. Felony. I don't know. We're going to play one and three. And then, of course, there's the destruction of top secret information and emails. Just listen to Comey in his own words. Now, I have so far used the singular term email server in describing the referral that began our investigation. It turns out to have been more complicated than that. Secretary Clinton used several different servers and administrators of those servers during her four years at the State Department. 
and she also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email on that personal domain. As new servers and equipment were employed, older servers were taken out of service, stored, and decommissioned in various ways. Piecing all of that back together to gain as full an understanding as possible of the ways in which personal email was used for government work has been a painstaking undertaking requiring thousands of hours of effort. For example, when one of Secretary Clinton's servers was decommissioned in 2013, the email software was removed. That didn't remove the email content, but it was like removing the frame from a huge unfinished jigsaw puzzle and then dumping all the pieces on the floor. The effect was that millions of email fragments ended up in the server's unused or slack space. We searched through all of it to understand what was there and what parts of the puzzle we could put back together again. FBI investigators also read all of the approximately 30,000 emails that Secretary Clinton provided to the State Department in 2014. FBI investigators also read all of the approximately 30,000 emails that Secretary Clinton provided to the State Department in 2014, where an email was assessed as possibly containing classified information. The FBI referred that email to any government agency that might be an owner of that information so that agency could make a determination as to whether the email contained classified information at the time it was sent or received, or whether there was reason to classify it now, even if the content had not been classified when it was first sent or received. And that's the process sometimes referred to as up-classifying. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department in 2014, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. Thirty-six of those chains contained secret information at the time, and eight contained confidential information at the time. That's the lowest level of classification. Separate from those, about 2,000 additional emails were up-classified to make them confidential. Those emails had not been classified at the time that they were sent or received. The FBI also discovered several thousand work-related emails that were not among the group of 30,000 emails returned by Secretary Clinton to state in 2014. We found those emails in a variety of ways. Some had been deleted over the years, and we found traces of them on servers or devices that had been connected to the private email domain. I don't know what else to say except that if you know anything about the law, you know that there's James Comey, the FBI director. And remember, keep this in context. Christian Saucier is in jail for a year, leaving his mother, wife, and baby daughter behind because he had six pictures. Forget about the emails containing classified information at the time they were sent and received. Found several thousand work emails that Hillary had not turned over to the State Department. That, by the way, is called obstruction of justice. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. He gets a year in jail and he gives her a pass. Now, fundamentally, this is about the rule of law. This is about equal justice under the law. Then you had Michael Flynn and the surveillance and unmasking and leaking of intelligence. Now we've got Fourth Amendment violations and Rand Paul and how many others were surveilled and was the intelligence agencies using 
their powers, which, by the way, I support wholeheartedly for national security reasons. But was it was there nefarious activities by a few? Just like one bad cop doesn't make every cop bad by a few that used intelligence gathering for political purposes in an an election season, 2015 and 16, based on the number of those surveilled, unmasked, and the amount of leaks, I'd say the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And so you've got a feeding frenzy that's beginning to just slowly and surely begin to just, you know, it's, it's like they sense blood in the water. An unholy alliance has now emerged. And the alliance and this this new normal is destroy the president at all costs and destroy those around him. And, you know, it's possible even in that July 5th press conference, I don't have time to play it now. Comey admitted then before we found out it's 99.9% certain that, yeah, hostile actors gained access to Hillary Clinton's email through people she was in contact with on her account. Do you know what that means? Top secret, classified Intelligence information, by the way, including, if I remember correctly, video surveillance of North Korea's nuclear sites. Do you realize that there's a potential that operatives on the ground could have been killed as a result of a recklessness? Now, I'm not even including Uranium One and her personally as Secretary of State signing off on a deal that gives 20 percent of America's uranium to Vladimir Putin. Nobody in the media cares about that. We're so upset, by the way, about influencing elections. Nobody cares that Obama used taxpayer money to try and unseat Benjamin Netanyahu and influence an election. It's okay if Obama does it and it's against our closest ally. That's fine. And the amount of double standard here is breathtaking. The feeding frenzy is breathtaking. The lack of truth. I'm just looking for simple, fundamental fairness, truth. Adherence, fidelity to truth, the rule of law, the Constitution. You can't have a justice system for the Clintons and then one for the rest of America. You can't live, you don't have a a republic if you don't have equal justice under the law. You don't have freedom if government entities or individuals can use the highest level of, of surveillance weaponry against political opponents that's a banana republic and that's the environment we now find ourselves in and then you got the coalition you got the never trumpers now joining the destroy trump media now joining the destroy trump democrats now joining the weak republicans that never supported trump joining the swamp people that is all of washington and the effort is to destroy the president they may succeed i don't know I just don't know. And if they can't find anything, why do I believe they'd make it up? You're paranoid, Hannity. That's it. You're paranoid. You've lost your mind. I don't think so. Yeah, and you sound like a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. No, I think the hate for Trump is that palpable, that real. I put nothing past these people. I'm trying to tell you truth you won't get elsewhere. I'm going to lay this all out tonight. In a monologue. Then I'm going to lay out how the White House needs to deal, how they need to change the White House press office. 10 Eastern tonight. Laura Ingram, Jay Sekulow. We have such a good show tonight. Sarah Carter, much more. So if the CIA, which is certainly 
is highly motivated to try and keep control of its cyber weapons arsenal, if it can't even control its entire cyber weapons arsenal uh, because information can uh, flow without oversight, then what is the chance that it can control how that arsenal is used? It, it doesn't. It can't. There's, there's absolutely nothing to stop uh, a random CIA officer uh, or contractor or liaison uh, agent working for the British using that technology against whoever they like, for whatever personal reasons they like. Uh, and we have quite a lot more material that talks about these um, attempts to throw off uh, attribution to discover who was really uh, behind a particular cyber attack. Unless, of course, that China has already gotten hold of these parts of the CIA arsenal and that China uh, is using them to pretend to be the CIA. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity shows. We shift gears here a little bit. If you haven't paying attention to this, you better start paying attention because there is now a world web war that is going on that probably by the end of this is going to impact every man, woman, and child on this earth, and it's that serious. Now, if you don't know, you got this computer bug that is now spreading as experts now playing late in the game, playing catch-up, but trying to limit the damage, and that's the best they can do at this particular point. You've got Asian governments and businesses now disrupted. Uh, you've got worries and fear about the electric grid here in the U.S. You've got critical infrastructure operators now affected, and it is Microsoft is claiming stolen U.S. government codes are fueling this attack. Now, that was basically what a long time ago Julian Assange in one of his press conferences had warned about. You know, we took the time. We went to London. Julian Assange talked at length. Then he re released what was it called? The seven uh, WikiLeaks release seven whatever hacking vault seven. He released Vault 7, and then nobody paid attention. And he also talked at length about how the NSA created cyber tools where they could actually put attribution of a type of surveillance and blame other governments, like Russia, like uh, Vladimir Putin, like uh, the Iranians, and pretty much the Chinese. Anybody they wanted to attribute it to, they would put the fingerprints of those hacking tools that are used by those governments onto an attack that they themselves may have made. Now, Hannity, you're going against our own our own security people. You're going against our own surveillance and our own NSA and CIA. No, I'm not. I'm saying that we need, as a means of self-defense, we need to be able to spy on those that would bring us harm. That is just part and parcel of a, a good national security system. But, and if we have surveillance of Americans ignoring Fourth Amendment protections, then we have the unmasking of Americans that were incidentally picked up in some type of wiretap, legal or not, against, you know, for example, General Flynn and the Russian ambassador. Okay, that's a that's legal, but they're supposed to minimize, then they're not supposed to unmask, and then they're certainly not supposed to leak the intelligence, which has happened, and that's all part of the firing of James Comey, which I was talking about in the last hour. Well, now we have an article out today, Cybersecurity Isn't a Hypothetical Problem. Today shows it can be life or death, and the headline is NSA created cyber tools, spawns global attacks, and victims include Russia. Vladimir Putin is blaming the U.S., um, and if we don't get to the bottom of this, Microsoft warning the ransomware cyber attack is a wake-up call. Many firms and experts working over the weekend to prevent new infections. The virus took control. Now, one of my biggest complaints is, you know, at some point after Julian Assange at 16 hacked into NASA and hacked into the Department of Defense and hacked into our intelligence agencies so many years ago, and we don't put 
any cybersecurity measures in place to stop it, my argument is you can blame nobody but ourselves at that point because you've had ample warning, decades of warning here, especially the last eight years. And then you got more victims today after what started on Friday in terms of all these cyber attacks. Anyway, here are our experts. We have Brian Finch. He is the co-chair of the cybersecurity practice at Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw. Pittman and Kirk Wiebe is a former senior analyst for the NSA. Bill Benny is the former technical director of the NSA World Geopolitical and Military Analysis and Reporting Group. And you may remember Bill is a whistleblower after 30-some-odd years at the NSA. Welcome all of you to the program. Brian, let me begin with you. And, and how do you analyze these attacks? And, and am I correct in saying that we have had ample warning to build up cybersecurity and safety and we haven't done it? You know, Sean, I think you're absolutely right. You said something really interesting. You said that this is attack is a wake-up call. You know, I would actually modify that a little bit and say, look, we've had more wake-up calls than a teenager on a Monday school morning. We've had so many cyber attacks over the years uh, from a variety of different sources, from a variety of different actors, from nation states, from individuals, from anonymous groups, activists, etc. Everybody should have the message at this point when it comes to cybersecurity and the threat of cyber attacks. But especially our and government. I mean, do you think the ne- our grid, our electric grid could be in jeopardy? From something like this, no. I, I, you know, Not I something like this, but in it. general. In general, there's always a possibility, but there's a difference between possible and probable. Is it possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? Likely not. The, the electric and the critical infrastructure invest so heavily in cybersecurity that it, it's, it's difficult to foresee an act that would take that down that was not also overtly an attack of war by a foreign government like a North Korea or Russia. It's not as if some random hacker in a basement or some small criminal group is really going to be able to conduct a, an extraordinarily destructive attack on the grid because of the investment those companies have made over the years. So I'm less concerned about that than I am what I call sort of a cyber Lehman Brothers type of scenario where you have an attack on an unsuspecting business that has invested but uh, can only do so much and you get a result that locks down the business, destroys its data, and within a week or two they're possibly facing a bankruptcy scenario. That, I think, is more realistic than the lights going out. Bill Binney, you spent 30-some-odd years at the NSA, and you have told me on this program before that every email, every text message, every phone call is being metadata stored against every American in violation of our Fourth Amendment constitutional rights. What do you make of this? What is the latest attack now impacting some at least 150 countries? My, uh, pro- I've had a problem with this for a number of years, and I've been you know, publicly voicing uh, <clears throat> my concerns. That this is a set of software attacks that have been uh, being been collected and developed since uh, since the early, early 1990s, and it's something they've known about all along. But they what it what it means is in the operational side of NSA or CIA, what that 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 gives them the ability to see in through firewalls, operating systems, things like that, to get into the, what people have in their computers and see what they're doing, and also drain their computers and take the data out. So. Uh, <clears throat> what they've been doing is knowing these weaknesses but not telling anybody so they don't get fixed. So what they're in essence making us all vulnerable over this long period of time, knowing about these problems but not fixing them and not telling anybody to fix them, Microsoft or anybody else. And so when we get attacked, what they do is they come around and say, we need more money for cybersecurity. And I've been calling this a swindle for a number of years because fundamentally they know what the problems are. I mean, they could have stopped the OPM attack years ago, you know, years is, ago. Is, is Julian Assange right that if you look at the Cyber Vault 7 release, and, and I spent a lot of time actually doing his, 
big a deep dive into that as I possibly could. It's a little more technical for my area of expertise, to be blunt. But do you think that a lot of this has been created by our own security agencies? Do they have the ability to put fingerprints of other countries on it? Are there things happening that are unsavory within our own intelligence community that worry you? Absolutely. I mean, they've been doing this all along. I mean, that's been my point. And, and, uh, and they swindle us when, they, when an attack occurs. We get swindled. We need more money for cybersecurity. Well, why don't you fix the problems you know about, and then maybe we'll have some cybersecurity. That's the problem I see. And, and these people are so far, they, they're, they're so uh, finite thinkers, and they're so narrow-minded and, and focused only on their objective, they fail to understand the greater impact on the world. And that's what, what the problem has been. Yeah. What is your take, Kirk Wiebe? I mean, you're a former senior analyst for the NSA. What's your take on all this? Well, it's the government, uh, Sean. What can I say? Uh, there are some things the government does well, some things it doesn't do too well. Um, I don't think they did a good risk assessment, Sean, on this whole approach where they find holes in um, software being bought by you and me, exploit it, accidentally let it go to the, out to the world to be used by criminals and who knows who, um, only to turn around and ask us for money to pay to fix it all. Uh, we're paying for all this. We're paying for the dagger that stabs us, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the process is very poorly managed. And let me go back to you, Brian Finch. I mean, you know, you work in the in the private sector, but and so you see all the vulnerabilities. You can make certain that every single company that you work for is safe, for every individual that you consult is safe, for the company that you're working for. In other words, you can create a total wall of safety for the most part. You can make a lot of companies much safer, but nobody is completely safe. I mean, even if you put out a patch for every vulnerability, whether created by a criminal or by the NSA. And I will I guess I'll oppose the other two learned gentlemen with all with all due respect that I'm okay with the NSA and the CIA creating vulnerabilities. That's their job. I want them to break into foreign governments. I want them to break into criminals and I I don't disagree at all with that. I I agree and I just want to know that I can trust them not to you know, like in the case of General Flynn, do it to Americans if you don't have a warrant. That's all. Well well and I agree with that too and it's actually interesting, Sean because you'll probably see later this week uh, legislation that's been thought about uh, for a while, certainly predating the Wanna Cry uh, situation by by several months, if not a year, from two uh, senators, one Democrat, one Republican, Ron Johnson, who's the the great chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, and Brian Schatz from Hawaii, who are going to put out legislation that's going to codify a process for for a White House review with some (laughs) congressional input on notifying companies of these vulnerabilities, uh, especially when they have been identified and are being exploited by the intelligence agency. So you see Congress stepping up to the plate and imposing some of these controls that worry people like you and me. You know, we don't want intelligence agencies running amok. I don't necessarily think that they are, uh, but at the same time, it is good to see that they've got some two senators. And well, I don't know if they're running amok or not. I'd like to know the answer. If you listen to Bill Binney, they're running amok. I mean, that scares me, and I just hope it's not true. All right, we'll continue. Brian Finch, Bill Binney, and Kirk Wiebe. He wants to know what happened here. Let's get to the bottom of this. This investigation needs to continue. They need to get to the bottom of it. I think an independent commission is the most comprehensive way to get to the bottom of that. That's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of this. It shows clearly that he does not want to get to uh, the bottom of it. We need to get to the bottom of this. It would be in everyone's best interest 
to get to the bottom of this. Maybe the Republicans don't really want to get to the bottom of this thing. If anything, I think it's going to make them want to get to the bottom of this more. A democracy can't function without trust. We've got to get to the bottom of this. We have to get to the bottom of what the heck happened here. All right, as we continue with Brian Finch and Bill Binney and Kirk Wiebe, and of course the issue was now 150 plus nations are under a huge, massive cyber attack. And, uh, you know, two things that came up. We, well, number one, we never had any evidence as it relates to Russia. That was a series of Democrats. Oh, what about Russia? Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the bottom of it. Okay, that's been going on for nearly a year at this particular point. But remember, a couple of things happened. The FBI never examined the hacked DNC servers because they would not allow it. And they brought in their own people, just like they offered immunity to individuals and then let them destroy the evidence. These are unprecedented moves by the FBI and those people involved in this so-called Russia investigation. What's your take on all of this, Bill Binney? Well, first of all, I'd say the, the Democrats have sunk to the bottom. Uh, but secondly, uh, they certainly have uh, uh, there's certainly ample evidence for probable cause to do a special prosecutor against what happened with the around the Hillary Clinton and Democratic National Committee servers and everything. There's certainly plenty of uh, evidence to do that, but there's no I mean, in order to to have a special prosecutor going after somebody criminally, you have to have probable cause that there was a crime committed. So those are the crimes that I've seen and, and witnessed uh, on television, even from Comey's mouth when he said them. Uh, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, that's uh, that's really the basic issue where we need a special prosecutor. And what do you uh, think, Kirk? It, OK, finish it. Of, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the rest of it is an intelligence issue, and that's being handled by the intelligence committees and the uh, and the FBI intelligence uh, 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 and counterintelligence area. So I think that's the proper way to do it. And Kirk, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm particularly worried, uh, Sean, about the item that Sarah Carter and Mr. Solomon have been reporting on, and that is the illegal unmasking, the illegal surveillance. Um, that is so, that can is so full of worms, and I really don't hear any evidence that an investigation is truly ongoing into that issue. Um, and I worry about that because the longer you wait, it gives people more time to cover their tracks. Yeah, I agree. We'll give the final word to Brian Finch. Brian. You know, this whole thing smacks of desperation, uh, continues to smack of desperation on the behalf of Democrats. who are just still searching for some reason, some some deus ex machina as to why Hillary lost. I, I don't think they can still wrap their heads around the fact that she was just not a likable candidate. And you get the hint of Russia, which you and I talked about 18 months ago, saying, oh, this is likely going to happen because she was so sloppy with her email and her devices. Of course, if it wasn't going to be the Russians, it was going to be the Chinese or the Iranians or the North Koreans. And so these investigations will continue. It'll be a dry hole at the end of the day. There will never be a shred of evidence other than some smoke saying the election was turned on the Russia uh, interference or news. But you will never find a voter, much less a number, uh, a critical mass of voters who somehow changed their mind from Hillary to Trump and made this president's election anything less than what it was fully done. All right, I gotta, I gotta take a break. Constitution. This story is gonna get so big and so explosive, and you better pay attention because this is gonna impact so many lives and governments at a level I don't think people are really fully aware of. Uh, Brian, thank you. Kirk, thank you. Bill Binney, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. When we come back, there is a candidate in a runoff, important, well, primary tomorrow in South Carolina's 5th District. He wants to join the Freedom Caucus. The establishment is fighting against him. We'll introduce you to Ralph Norman. Then we'll get to your calls, I promise, next half hour, 
one Sean is our number. And Sarah Carter, uh, Senior National Security Correspondent for Circa.com at the top of the next hour. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue straight ahead. Congress. I've lived my whole life here in South Carolina. It's where my values were shaped, where I raised my family, grew my business, learned to stand up for my principles and do the right thing. That's what I'll do for you in Congress. I'll pick up where Mick Mulvaney left off. Term limits to end career politicians. A balanced budget amendment that cuts spending. A real plan to make America safe from terrorism. I'm Ralph Norman, and I approve this message because we need more South Carolina values in Congress. All right, there is a runoff vote tomorrow, and you know that my support, the people that I trust the most, the people that I think are most in line with my thinking are the Freedom Caucus and Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and the 30-some-odd people that are part of that caucus. I think for that caucus to really have the impact that we need to advance conservative principles, now that we know, especially if the, the health care debate, that there are 100 moderates that had no intention of actually repealing, replacing Obamacare, uh, we've got to grow the Freedom Caucus. Now, there is a special election in South Carolina tomorrow, and this is the 5th Congressional District, and it is to fill the place and replace Mick Mulvaney, and it's an important seat. And so, anyway, I have looked at both candidates that are in this race, and one is the House Speaker pro tem, this guy Tommy Pope, and he's endorsed by the Chamber of Commerce. And I think basically you interpret Chamber of Commerce the way it needs to be interpreted. And that is moderate Republican. And then you have somebody that the Freedom Caucus has endorsed and supported. And the Freedom Caucus is going to bat for. And he has pledged to join the Freedom Caucus. And that is uh, a person that Ted Cruz is out there campaigning with today. And his name is Ralph Norman. And Mr. Norman joins us now on the campaign trail. How's uh, your day with Ted going? Oh, it's great, Sean. It was a great event. Uh, uh, Senator Cruz gave a great talk, and uh, it, we're just glad to have him here in South Carolina campaigning the day before we go to the final vote. Well, you have Ted Cruz's endorsement, and I noticed they have uh, other endorsements like the Club for Growth and their political arm, and now, for better or for worse, you're getting Sean Hannity's endorsement. Well, I appreciate it. I tell you, it's, it's been an interesting race. Uh, your endorsement means a lot. Mark Meadows has been a great uh, supporter, and you're right. Uh, I was at a debate, and it came up about the Freedom Caucus, and I said, absolutely, the conservatives, which is, is what I am. And that just set off uh, the bells and whistles and sirens that went off, and I said I was willingly going to join the Freedom Caucus. My opponent, Mr. Pope, would not uh, agree to join it, nor would they ask him. But the, the shock of my life is when the U.S. Chamber of Commerce back mr pope and put a quarter of a million dollars to beat me and uh you know we're, we're so uh, so in other words as soon as the, you're saying you want to be a part of the freedom caucus all of a sudden fire alarms go off and amongst the the establishment republican base and then they put in how much money do you think they put into this race to defeat you over a quarter of a million dollars i i mean it's so this is just republicans trying to repeat to defeat a conservative they don't want a conservative what what is the difference between you and this this gentleman that you're running against tommy pope well he's he's a trial lawyer he sues businesses that i create uh mr pope is, is a workman's comp uh, personal injury lawyer he gets 30 cent, 30% of every claim that he's successful and he's very successful at it he's made a million dollars a year suing 
businesses on the, on behalf of Workman's Comp. And for the chamber, who I've been a member, our company, and I'm in the real estate development business, been a member of the chamber for 60 years. And when I called Ted Pitts, of the, of, of the, who's head of the state, and I said, you're endorsing a trial lawyer who sues business, and I'm a small business who pays dues into um, – into the, 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 to support the chamber, and uh, I don't know. It's been a it's been a. I did not that came out of the blue. I did not expect it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you basically support the agenda of Mark Meadows and and Jim Jordan and Dave Bratt and all these other conservatives that you know find themselves in a battle against the, the establishment and the leadership every day, right? Well, exactly, and and that's why when when you look at that's why I'm so honored to have the Mark Meadows, up to Senator Jim Dement, the Scott Walkers, the Nikki Haley's, Congressman Joe Wilson, the Lieutenant Governor of South Carolina, call me Saturday, uh, Kevin Bryant said, Ralph, it's important to elect a true conservative, and I'm with you. He gave a speech on the uh, convention floor in Columbia, and that's why people, when you look at our voting record, Sean, this is night and day. And that's why it's so so uh, outrageous that the Chamber of Commerce that depends on business for its livelihood to endorse a guy like that, along with the trial lawyers. Well, I think it's very key. And, and by the way, I don't really have anything against Mr. Pope. I don't. But I do want and need, we do need desperately more real conservatives in the House of Representatives so that the leadership will be more responsive to the agenda that people sent them to Washington to 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 accomplish, including the president's agenda. Do you find anything in the president's agenda that you're disagreeing with right now? Absolutely not. I mean, look, if you he's been in office for, what, 110 days, 115 days. Look at what he's done to change the history, of this, the, the, the direction of this country with Neil Gorsuch. He's right on that. Look at what he's done on regulations for everyone that's being proposed is cutting two. And, you know, I'm just excited about serving with him. And we've got too many rhinos and, and people who say one thing back home, as Mr. Pope does, and does completely different when he gets uh, in office and uh, on the state level. And uh, that's why I'm anxious to serve on the federal level and back up his his plan for this country, which uh, I think is, is the right plan for America. Well, I want to give you my full support and endorsement. I hope it doesn't hurt you, Mr. Norman. Ralph Norman is running in the 5th District in South Carolina. Whoever wins this runoff tomorrow will likely, very likely, be the next congressman from that district. And, uh, well, you actually will be, but beyond that, you'll also be winning in the future, as it's a pretty solidly Republican seat, correct? It is. It's, 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 it's been a great Republican seat ever since Mick beat John Spratt. And, uh, and I think the people are buying into the message. And, and I just want to give a shout-out to the Club for Growth. Had it not been for them to combat the trial lawyers who spent, spent over $600,000 to beat me, uh, it would have been a tough race. But uh, the conservatives are coming out of the woodwork, and we're excited. All right. We appreciate it. We're going to wish you all the best uh, tomorrow. And this is, again, the 5th District, South Carolina, Ralph Norman, if you want to get the Freedom Caucus supporting member in that seat. Thank you for being with us, Ralph, and we wish you the best tomorrow. We'll follow it closely. Thank you so much, and appreciate your endorsement. Any time, sir. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Tracy is in Texas, a liberal. Tracy, hi. How are you? Glad you called. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, Sean, let me ask him. I'll get into another time. I don't know why I have to be labeled before you introduce me, but here's my thing. I'm going I'm to reel off a list of Are you a liberal? I, I ask a question. No, I, I'm, no I'm not. Actually, I have who, conservative uh, values. And okay, who did you vote for in the last three elections for president? 
who I like. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Obama and Obama. Yeah. So you're so a liberal. Make me a moderate. So it, that make moderate? because I, there's nothing moderate not, about there's nothing moderate about Obama or Hillary, and you just proved my point, And everybody that's listening right now is laughing because you well, make. I, I, trust me, I knew what you were saying when you asked me, but that was the choice I made based on who they who their opponent was. Right. I Just got it. And then the point is, Trump, why are liberals so afraid? I'm a conservative. I have no fear saying I am but a Trump conservative. Is not, so, but Trump is not. Well, excuse no, me. Excuse me. I, be, I beg to differ. The policies he ran on, you know, a, an originalist on the Supreme Court on energy independence, eliminating regulation, the lowest tax cuts in the history of the country, even lower than Reagan's era, uh, Obamacare repealing and replacing it with free market solutions, education back to the states, building a wall, vetting refugees. Every single one of those agenda items are extremely conservative. I, it's not about the man to me. It's about what he stands for. And I supported him for what he stood for. And frankly, he's doing a pretty good job of fulfilling his promises. Those are all conservative positions. So on, so on, so on. We went off on a tangent. Here's why I called. The reason why I called is because I've been assessing Trump's actions for the last 113, 14 days. And, you know, I just want to say this. To me, I feel dangerous. But, you know, you did zero in on taxes, which I feel will be the undoing of our country. And I'll stick with that since I was going to really talk about the FBI probe and all that. But I'll go with the taxes. One of the most detrimental things I think is going to happen to this country is if he does give the Republicans what they want and peel back the tax of 20 percent. And the reason why I say that is this. Those corporations are already outsourcing jobs. America is already flooded with illegal immigrants. And when he reduces that tax, the whole tax burden is going to fall on the American people who are already not having proper jobs, not got a pain. Did you, did you hear me during the election? The first, let me finish. If we have the first blah, blah. any type of war or any type of meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. United States is over because we will not have the source of income because no one's talking about debt and deficit right now, debt or deficit. They're just talking about giving it. And I don't know why we keep thinking the corporations have to get money to give to us when it's the people who form corporations. So but but, you know, be that as it may, that 20 percent, just like it hurt under Reagan, just like that. I, I, I got a break, but I'm going to say one thing to you before I, before I leave. I, I hear everything you're saying. But everything that you have voted for and support is the opposite way to get as evidenced by millions more in poverty, millions more in food stamps, millions more out of the labor force, lowest, you know, worst recovery since the 40s and the lowest home ownership rate since the what since in 51 years. You, you can say you support those things, but everything you have voted for and supported in the last three presidential elections don't get you there. And I, I can't spend the time to educate you on this. It just isn't going to help. But I'm just telling you, if you were so right, after eight years of Obama, all of that would have happened. And it didn't. And I'm saying that if we don't change course, well, it's like, you know, how do you define insanity? Banging your head against the wall and expecting a different result. It's not, you're not going to have a different result unless you change. And seeing the swamp resist change is nothing new to me. Even the Republican swamp. And ever Trumpers coming out of the swamp smelling blood all weekend. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show News Roundup and Information Overload coming up at the top of the next hour. Sarah Carter, who is the senior national security correspondent for Circa.com, will join us. In the meantime, let's get to our phones. Uh, let us say hi to Anna. She's in Cape Coral, Florida. What's up, Anna? How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thanks. It's good to talk with you. Um, first of all, thanks for all you do in cutting through the crazies. Um, I have a thought about the 
Russian collusion conspiracy, and I don't understand why it's not talked about more so. With all the leaks that we've had over the last, you know, ongoing number of months, not just about the Russian collusion, but everything else that leaks, if there really was some sort of a smoking gun or some kind of actual real evidence, it would have been leaked. And the liberals and the media would literally be screaming at the top of their lungs. So I don't get why that's not talked about more and what your thoughts are on it. Listen, show me the evidence. I still have an open mind if there's any collusion, any evidence, you know, of some type of collusion that is a, a violation of the law or commits a crime in some way. I, w- I want to see what it is. And unless and until I'm tired of the tinfoil hat conspiracy theories that pose as news uh, every single night, every single minute of every single day. And, you know, as I'm going to lay out tonight on TV, I'm going to lay out the law the violations of the law, how Comey ignored the law, how he's not serving equal justice under the law, how he's ignoring even violations and the trampling of our constitutional rights in the Fourth Amendment, and why he needed to be fired. It had to happen. And yet, you know, watching and the, the, the sharks with the blood that they sense and the water and the never-Trumpers now finally popping up their ugly heads saying, we got him. This is what we've been waiting for. We never wanted them to succeed. See, and it's it's a pretty sad state of affairs. The amount of lies, distortion, propaganda, besmirchment, smearing that's going on in this country right now, and most of it is targeted at the president. It's sad that media in this country has now just become, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory TV. And it is widespread, and it's getting worse. And truth is now a casualty in all of this. There's no desire for truth, and I'm not saying Trump's been perfect. Uh, I am angry at the people that are supposedly serving their country in the White House. You have the honor to be in that house, and you work in that house. You don't have your own agenda. You're there to serve the country and serve the president's agenda, the promises he made to the American people, or you need to get out of the house. And you need to stop advancing your own agenda. That is becoming extremely problematic for the president. And But I will tell you, this: I have seen no there there. I have never seen any there there. And I, I feel like an island that is trying to, you know, give some sense and truth to what has now become mass hysteria and mass groupthink. And you got even never Trump Republicans now. They're they're feeling their case for vindication as we speak. Kind of a frightening time. All right, news roundup information overload as we continue. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. We'll get to your calls in the next hour as well. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. Now, I have so far used the singular term email server in describing the referral that began our investigation. It turns out to have been more complicated than that. Secretary Clinton used several different servers and administrators of those servers during her four years at the State Department. And she also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email on that personal domain. As new servers and equipment were employed, older servers were taken out of service, stored, and decommissioned in various ways. Piecing all of that back together to gain as full an understanding as possible of the ways in which personal email was used for government work has been a painstaking undertaking requiring thousands of hours of effort. For example, when one of Secretary Clinton's servers was decommissioned in 2013, 
the email software was removed. That didn't remove the email content, but it was like removing the frame from a huge unfinished jigsaw puzzle and then dumping all the pieces on the floor. The effect was that millions of email fragments ended up in the server's unused or slack space. We searched through all of it to understand what was there and what parts of the puzzle we could put back together again. FBI investigators also read all of the approximately 30,000 emails that Secretary Clinton provided to the State Department in 2014. I'm taking you back there. By the way, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN. I'm going to do something that nobody in the media is going to ever do for you, and that is we are going to lay out the case why James Comey needed to be fired, why James Comey was not using the principle of equal justice under the law. Why James Comey, for whatever reason, became political in his application of the law, even ignoring the trampling of our Constitution and Fourth Amendment rights in the case of General Michael Flynn. How he has allowed this ongoing, ridiculous Russian narrative without any evidence to go on for almost what is now a year in this country and not set to to bed any of these investigations. The only one he's exonerated is somebody we know broke and violated numerous laws. And that's Hillary Clinton. And then there's some other people that violated laws. I'm not even including with the email investigation, the mishandling of classified documents, top secret information, special access program information, the destruction of top secret classified information, the destruction of special access uh, information. The legal standard is gross negligence. He admitted that she had acted extremely recklessly in the handling of material. All of these things are felony. The destruction of, of such emails is a felony and obstruction of justice. This is a no-brainer. There's, it's not even a close call, but yet he decided to make a political call for whatever reason. I don't know. But instead of the media narrative that has gone absolutely bizarre, conspiracy, hysterical, nobody's pointing out that he did not do his job. And that if we're not going to have equal justice under the law and an FBI director concerned about surveillance, even incidental surveillance, then unmasking and then intelligence leaking, then we need a new FBI director. Anyway, Sarah Carter is with us, senior national security correspondent for Circa.com. Welcome back to the program. Um, do you have to be with you. Is there any doubt in your mind that Hillary Clinton committed multiple felonies? And, and I don't know your answer to this. Sarah. Enough there to move forward with the case. And that's. What I mean, that's what everybody was screaming mad about. I know that there were FBI sources that um, I had spoken to during that time that were very upset, even people within the DOJ, when Director Comey refused to you know, push this case along. And that, that was the problem. It never got to a point where it was thoroughly investigated and where it was brought before a jury, where people were subpoenaed. So it was shut off. It was cut short. And nobody has these answers. What we do know is that she mishandled classified information, right? He said we couldn't find intent. Well, you don't need intent. You, you know, it's gross negligence under the law. And Hillary Clinton, of all people, and especially as Secretary of State, and being a former First Lady, was very well aware of how you handle classified information. It wasn't that she was, uh, you know, this was, this was because 
because she had no idea how she was going to handle it. This was very deliberate. And so I think there were a lot of people that were extremely concerned about this. And and one of the reasons why um, you heard so many people um, speaking out when Director Comey refused to move forward with it. And I, and I mean, and on both sides. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to lay out the case using Comey's own words tonight in terms of what he says Hillary did and how she used multiple servers. By the way, she lied. Multiple mobile devices, she lied. She sent, did send and receive email on a personal domain uh, and that these email fragments left on the servers that she wasn't using that proved that she mishandled classified information, top secret information, special access program information. She talked about her team being he talked about her team being extremely careless in their handling of this information. Well, that meets the legal standard of gross negligence by a long shot. Then we have 110 emails that he acknowledged contained classified information at the time they were sent or received. Now, there's a guy named Christian Saucier, as I know you know, Sarah, that is in jail for a year yes. because he took six pictures of a submarine. Well, why is he go to jail and that Hillary Clinton? What's the difference, if any? No, there really was. In fact, there was more evidence um, stacked up against Hillary Clinton than there was against Saucier. And, you know, I've spoken to his mother, and she is devastated. She... Um, she has been pushing and pushing and pushing for this to be dropped uh, for the president, for President Trump to look at his case. And I know his attorney and his attorney is now waiting to hear back from the DOJ. He hasn't heard anything yet. He knows that his petition is there um, and he's being held. And I mean, at first they tried to accuse him of, you know, taking photographs. Uh, rumored that we're possibly going to end up with, like, the Russians, and then they figured out that that wasn't true at all. Uh, and so they pushed forward with the prosecution. Right around the same time, they dropped everything on Hillary. So this is a very serious matter. I mean, Hillary Clinton, if we look at what happened with her personal email use, and, Sean, you read the whole litany of of, of, of issues regarding that, but also the fact that they destroyed a number of emails, that a number of emails were destroyed and never recovered. I mean, anyone else who would have done this, um, I think, would have paid a very heavy price. And think about the price that Saucier paid. And at that time, it was legal to have, you know, their cell phones on the submarines. And like many young men, many who were his friends, who also took pictures of themselves on the submarine, you know, where they were working, um, were not charged with anything. In fact, they had a little slap on the hand and were fined. Uh, and um, unfortunately, Saucier became uh, the pinup guy for, uh, you know, for this. And uh, what we see with Hillary Clinton is the fact that she just kind of walked away from this and never had a good explanation. We know that there were FBI agents that were screaming mad about this. Some of them even threatened to quit uh, over this. And um, right now, whether or not another case is opened against her, I like I've said before, I don't think that'll happen. But who knows? It all depends on who takes Comey's place at the FBI. All right. Let me play for you another example. This is James Comey. And again, I'll go through all of this in my opening monologue tonight on Hannity. And, and Sarah is one of our guests. Jay Sekulow is a guest. Laura Ingram is on tonight. And we're going to we're going to tear this up in a way that nobody else in TV or, or radio, frankly, is. Well, none that I know of. Anyway, this is James Comey talking about classified documents housed on an unclassified system without security. In addition to this highly sensitive information, we also found information that was properly classified as secret by the U.S. intelligence community at the time it was discussed on email. That is excluding any later up-classified emails. 
None of these emails should have been on any kind of unclassified system. But their presence is especially concerning because all of these emails were housed on unclassified personal servers, not even supported by full-time security staff, like those found at agencies and departments of the United States government, or even with a commercial email service like Gmail. Okay. Well, and then he went on to admit that hostile actors, and then we were able to confirm later with 99.9% certainty that at least five foreign intelligence agencies were able to hack into her system, which puts people's lives at jeopardy, does it not? Yeah, I mean, I've spoken. I've spoken to people, sources, um, who are very familiar with this, and they are absolute in agreement with what Comey said, that her server was accessed and intercepted by state actors, by other foreign state actors that were trying to get information. And so then you have to ask yourself the question that I think everybody asks, why did Comey not move forward with the DOJ on Hillary Clinton? And the only assessment here is that, you know, and I've spoken to other people before who say, well, you know, I, I mean, at her level, at her position, nobody was expecting a case to go forward against her. And I was thinking even more reason to pursue a case, right? Because if you want to try to stop this type of classified information from ending up in the hands of our enemy or, you know, other state actors who are working against the United States, then you have to send a very clear message. But it appears that the only clear message that was sent was to people like Saucier and others who are very low level who now are sitting in jail for doing the same thing, but much less much less of a crime All right, than stay what right there. is perceivably being committed by Hillary Clinton. Sarah Carter, Senior National Security Correspondent, Circa.com. She'll be among our many guests tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Making America first, safe, and great again. This is the Sean Hannity Show. For a period of about two years, it seemed like basically the United States government's one and only priority and one and only concern in their relationship with uh, the government of Bangladesh was to save Mohammed Yunus's job. About it, they said, "Look, we feel bad. There's, I know this is unusual. There's." nothing we can do. Mohammed Yunus calls uh, Secretary Clinton's office and she sends instructions down to us. We don't have a choice. Um, and at, in, at two instances during those conversations, uh, they brought, it, brought up the fact that, look, there could be many actions taken against your country, against your mother, your family. Uh, who knows, you could get audited by the IRS since you live in the U.S., all right, what you just heard there was Sajib Wazed, Hillary Clinton and State Department threatened him with an IRS audit in order to keep a donor friend of hers in power. And Sarah Carter wrote about this. She is the senior national security correspondent for Circa.com. This is an update on the Bangladesh prime minister's conversation with Hillary over this removal of Dr. Muhammad Yunus from the Grameen Bank. Can you explain this to everybody? Yeah, this is really the first time, Sean, that there's ever been an admission by a senior level government official that Hillary Clinton uh, tried to pressure her, 
the word strong arm comes to mind, um, uh, strong arm her into hiring back a person that had been fired, that had been removed from his position uh, because they were very close friends. Uh, Mohammed Yunus was very close friends to Hillary Clinton and Bill, going all the way back to the time in Arkansas. He is a 2006 Nobel Peace Prize winner and was the head of the famous microcredit bank Grameen. And uh, he is also uh, the chair of Grameen America. It's kind of uh, the, their their section here in the United States. He's also quite a big donor to the Clinton Global Initiative and the Clinton Foundation. And in 2011, um, it was after his removal, there was a lot of infighting in Bangladesh between the Prime Minister and Mohammed Yunus, um, who at one point tried to start his own party. Um, he had been contacting, though, since early 2009, Hillary Clinton, and you know about all of these problems. But in 2011, she made a personal phone call to the Bangladeshi Prime Minister. Minister Sheikh Hasina uh, to try to get Mohammed Yunus back in the job. Now, her son had been criticizing uh, the Clintons for five years, saying that they had threatened him with an IRS audit. He's an American citizen, uh, that they wanted Yunus back as head of the bank. And um, but, the, but the prime minister had never spoken out publicly about this. And this was the first time. And we were able to get a confirmation of what the son had been saying. It's pretty outrageous that here you have the, the Prime Minister of Bangladesh accusing Clinton of personally pressuring her to be a foundation donor, and she's the Secretary of State, correct? Correct. I mean, she uh, she was pressuring her to reinstate their friend, Mohammed Yunus, back as head of Grameen Bank, and they did not. I mean, this was, this was an intense little battle between, privately, between uh, Secretary of State and the Bangladeshi Prime Minister. Uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is, like, you would think this crosses all kinds of ethical barriers. I had talked to Dr. Richard Painter, who, let's be frank, is a supporter of Hillary Clinton, and um, but was also working with uh, George Bush and is, is, is considered one of the top ethicists. He said he doesn't believe any politician should be accepting money from anybody, um, but he said as far as crossing the legal line, he didn't see her crossing the legal line there. He's definitely saw an ethical dilemma here. Uh, but I was saying, well, then what what will stop anybody from playing favorites or pay to play if there are no laws in place to stop this? And he said, well, you really have to have a major smoking gun. And I kept thinking, well, isn't this smoking gun enough? And and he's like, no, you need even more than that to try to prosecute people for this. So people are very, very, yeah, very savvy on how they handle these situations, um, even when they're trying to pressure, you know, uh, world leaders to put their friends back into uh, put their friends back into a job. All right, Sarah. Sarah Carter, Senior National Security Correspondent, Circa.com. With Sarah tonight and Jay Seculo, Laura Ingram, and, and others, we are going to examine the reasons why the media won't tell you James Comey had to be fired. Also, we'll be dealing with White House leaking. Also, we'll be dealing with an abusive press and how the White House should now start handling those that, that think they smell blood in the water and want to take the president down. All, and we have our news segment, the fake news roundup. I mean, it's so easy to just gather, you know, the top cuts of of the day. It's the hard part is picking which ones are the best. There's so many instances of it. All right, quick break. When we come back, wide open telephones, 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. And by the way, that what you just heard there is uh, on the Fox News Channel, Justice Janine Pirro, Cara McCullough, Miss USA, and the winner saying that the health care is a 
privilege and not a right in a feeding frenzy that has now emerged out of that. I've never seen it this bad. You know, I've always known, I, I really think it's all rooted in that the entire swamp cannot handle the, the fact that Donald Trump is the president. And it's now occurred to them on a mass level, and they just can't get over it. And it's, it's, it's whatever it is, whatever conspiracy, whatever lie, whatever double standard, it's all being spun into Trump has to leave, Trump has to leave, Trump has to leave. There's a danger in this, frankly, a clear and present danger is that, you know, eventually people begin to believe the lie that is repeated often enough on almost every media outlet. And there's, there's no truth or perspective, you know, which is probably why they want talk radio out of the way and Fox News Channel out of the way so bad. And why in all my 30 years I've never been under such fire because they get rid of me and they, they get rid of a one big voice. It's a sole voice, but it's one big voice. They attack and successfully get rid of talk radio, and, well, then they get rid of a lot of voices. And you don't think this is real? You know, look at uh, the so-called conservative on MSNBC this morning. Morning Joe and Mika. They're a cute couple. Come on. I, I said something nice Are you going to go to their wedding? If they invite me, I'd think about it. You I, would? No, of course not. I don't go to weddings. Look at Ethan. Ethan. I was about to say, you didn't go to mine and you're going to go to Joe's? I didn't go to Linda's either, all right? With all due respect, Linda is higher know, ranking than you, and I didn't go to her wedding. Either of us. Come on. Did you like the gift I gave you for your wedding? You were very generous. How generous? Very. Very. Okay. I gave you a choice. Money or my appearance? That has nothing to do with this conversation. Yeah, this everything conversation to do. is about you and your blue suede shoes at Joe and Mika's okay. wedding. Cut yeah. The rug. yeah, okay. That's really going to happen, too. Uh, yeah, well... He's going to be the crazy Uncle Joe at his own wedding. Every wedding has a crazy Uncle Joe by the end of the wedding that has his tie on backwards. And he's, you know, grooving out to celebrate good times. Come on. word. Jobs. Yeah, exactly. J-O-B-S. And Jobs. If he shows up, he's the crazy Uncle Joe, too. Every wedding, when I was a bartender, I'd, hit, uh, I'd be able to spot crazy Uncle Joe a mile away. All right, make it a double, son, and, and take care of everyone at the table while you're at it. And, and here's the 20 for you. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And so by the end of the three or four hours, Crazy Uncle Joe was tearing up the dance floor, tie on backwards, you know, four unbuttons, four, four buttons unbuttoned on a shirt, sweating like crazy and dancing with like the hottest cousin of somebody that's at the wedding. Well, anyway, so there's Uncle Joe, Crazy Uncle Joe on, on the conservative now on NBC News. If there are articles of impeachment ever drawn up, the first article of impeachment against Donald Trump will be the first article of impeachment drawn up against Richard Nixon. That's obstruction of justice. This is their conservative. And I noticed this weekend that all, well, it's kind of started late last week, all of the never Trumpers that had been hiding and kind of, you know, they've been, they've been waiting, hoping, praying for Donald Trump's failure. So then they can come out and attack people like me and say, see, they weren't, they weren't that vocal when Neil Gorsuch was appointed. They weren't that vocal when the president was opening up energy in the country. They weren't that vocal as the president is getting rid of regulations in the country. They weren't, you know, some of them, they weren't that vocal about the executive order, except some of them saying, oh, it's a Muslim ban, when it wasn't. They weren't that uh, vocal when the president moved the first step to moving to build the wall or sending education back to the states. You know, they weren't that vocal except just to be super hypercritical. Meanwhile, it's their fellow anti-Trumpers in the House that weaken the health care repeal and replace bill. But it still got done. And um, so now they're all coming out of the woodwork. And by the way, you notice the first target. What did I say if Trump had lost, Linda? 
So what? There would have been my obituary written a hundred thousand times over. You think those people have gone away from ever wanting to write my obituary in this business? No. And by the way, I don't care. I mean, I just start fighting these people, and to the extent that I have the patience and the time, which I don't have a lot of anymore to fight on Twitter, but if I did, I'd fight them more because I, you know, there's nothing that I like more in life than a good fight. Why not? A good Twitter fight is good for the soul. It awakens your adrenaline, keeps you up at night. Just what I need. No more sleep. Anyway, let's get to our busy telephones here. As promised, we've covered a lot of ground. I will lay this all out tonight in an opening monologue that I honestly hope that you will record. And then I have a mini monologue that I hope you'll pay attention to about how the White House now needs to adjust how they deal with the press. I hope you'll be paying attention. Anyway, joining us, Gary is in Laguna Beach out in California, KEIB. Hi, how are you? You bet, Sean. I'll tell you what, Beth Midler, um, I, was, I was down on the beach one day right below where she lives on Victoria Beach in, in South Laguna. So I'm walking down there, and I, I talked to you before because I'm a wildlife photographer. I'm out photographing birds. So I'm walking around down there and, you know, carrying a big lens, undressing camouflage, which is normally what I do. And I'm down there. All of a sudden I hear this shouting at me. And I look, I look to my left. And I see this lady rampantly, I mean, she's calling me all kinds of vulgar names, uh, paparazzi, you know. Why is that? Who's this lady? What just out of nowhere starts calling you vulgar names? Absolutely. And she's, she's blaming me for being a paparazzi. Bette Midler? Yeah. Beth Midler, yes. Bette Midler. Bette Midler. And how long ago was this? Oh, my God. This was, what, 2006, 2007? This is a long time ago. So she doesn't want paparazzi taking pictures of her. Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, if she, if she would have looked at me and she would have seen how I was dressed, the color of my camera lens and everything else, I mean, I'm walking around with a camouflage lens, camouflage tripod. I'm dressed in camo myself. I mean, and I'm carrying a big lens, and I'm down photographing shorebirds and photographing gulls, all kinds of things, which is why I do, Sean. I mean... That's kind of a cool hobby. I like what you do. Well, it isn't a hobby, Sean. It's half my living. Okay. Well, I, I, your oh, hobby boy, and living. I have to deal with the extreme environmentalists that, that absolutely hate Trump. Oh, my God. I mean, Sean, w- with the business that I'm in, I can't dare talk politics. Yes, you can. Oh, my yeah, God. No, no, no. You can. Well, no, they, you, they you, you, not you, buy you, my photos in. <laughs> well, then that's maybe smart. That's a better part of wisdom, not talking about it. Absolutely. Look, I understand completely. I mean, look, I, I have people running up to me in the streets screaming at me. Yeah. And uh, that's the least of my problems. But, you know, look, there comes a point in a time in life that, you know, the better part of wisdom is keep your business alive, make money, and do the things that you think are important. Yeah. A- and the other thing is, is, you know, know that, you know, a lot of these people are crazy. They, look, there is such a cognitive dissonance here in terms of the left has not come to grips with truth and reality that Trump won. And I just think that they're all dedicated to his demise right now. Oh, absolutely. I can, I can see it. I so? mean, whenever I um, am leading a bird walk, uh, Sean, you don't, you don't know how hard it is for me as a Republican. Can I, just, can I just jump in here for a second? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I normally wouldn't do this. but, yes. but By but, the way, that's a lie. You do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking Gary, about? Gary, can I just ask you a question? So, so Bette Midler was on the beach? Was it a beach no, area? No, Bette Midler was, was on her deck. So she's on a deck in a house, and yep. you're dressed in camouflage, yep. skulking around in the woods with a long well, lens. I wasn't even on the woods, Laura. I was, I was down on the beach. I was photographing shorebirds on the rocks, and I'm, I'm walking around. See, I, I walk that area quite often, you know, photographing birds. See, 
being a wildlife photographer, you can't dress in really bright clothing and expect to get any photos. For sure, but I'm just thinking about it. Now, listen, I'm no lover of Bette Midler, so don't don't get me wrong. But I'm just trying to think about, like, if I was on my deck as a woman and I see this guy walking around in camouflage with a giant lens and I'm Bette Midler, I probably would think that you were in camouflage to get my photo. Well, why couldn't she say, well, what are you doing there, mister? He did, she didn't bother saying that. She starts cussing him. She starts accusing me of being a paparazzi. Well, she's the and, divine. And then, she's I the divine Miss M. She's said, hello, Dolly. Bird paparazzi. Now listen, she's singing "Wind Beneath My Wings." She should be more understanding of you and your bird watching. Trust me. All right, I'm glad you two had a nice little chat here. I Can just I move on with my show? All right, uh, thank you, Gary. Eight hundred nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, let's go to Greg. Is in South Dakota. Greg, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Well, thanks for taking my call, Sean. What's hey, going on? The other day, the other day I was listening, and I just caught the clip on Maxine Waters when she uh, was being interviewed by the MSNBC TV guy, and she said Donald Trump had no business firing Director Comey. And then she said, but if Hillary Clinton had won the election, she was going to fire him on the first day. And even the MSNBC guy says, I don't understand. It's okay for one, but not for the other. Well, Maxine Waters summed up the Democratic philosophy in one word, revenge. That's all they care about, whatever it is. Look, the sad thing is it's not in the best interest of the country. I mean, look, with the never-Trumpers, I mean, the thing that stood out to me this weekend is that there are so many people that would be interested in the president failing just so they, in their minds, can be right. See, we told you. Ignoring Neil Gorsuch. Now, Neil Gorsuch is a game changer for the country, and it's that deep and it's that profound. And Hillary choosing it would have been better for them and to justify the fact that they, they uh, in, in many ways, aided and abetted Hillary to justify that decision and, and not expecting anything like, like Trump winning ever happening. They, they felt that they would be on the right side of history. So in their minds, they want to justify how wrong they were. And the way they do that is they get to say, see, and then they join the chorus of liberals in the media, liberals in the Washington swamp, weak Republicans and and the media. And they get then they literally go out there and they just, you know, all it's not collusion as much as it is. They're all individually trying to do their very level best to destroy anything that this president's going to do. Look, this president is a clear present danger to the entire swamp he's a danger to republicans that are weak and timid and feckless and visionless and afraid of their own shadow he is a threat to the media because he goes at them directly and delegitimizes them every day by exposing them to be the frauds and agenda driven hypocrites that they are that colluded with hillary he goes after the entire swamp which is in the deep state both the the state department in the NSA at the highest levels and the CIA at the highest levels that, you know, as Chuck Schumer says, can get you six ways in Sunday. So he's a threat to them. And he is a threat to everything liberal if he's successful, because then America is not likely to elect liberal presidents. If the economy turns, Americans get out of poverty, off of food stamps, back to work, get to back to buying homes. America's energy independent, that America has a health care system with lower premiums and better care and more choices. If America has education that begins to work and bring up the grades and the opportunities of kids, especially in inner city, that have been served poorly, 
you know, that if he protects the country from future terrorist attacks vis-a-vis vetting and, and building a border wall, that's not good either for their immigration plans in terms of open borders and, and a voting electorate that will keep them in power for years or cheap labor for Republicans. He's a threat to the entire thing. And that's why they're all basically joining up together against him. And one thing Donald Trump has done is created alliances nobody ever thought possible. You know, political alliances, swamp alliances that now actually threaten to join forces to destroy him. Hannity, you're really, really speaking in dire terms today. No, I'm just speaking in real terms. And I'm just telling you the truth of what's happening. Now, tonight we'll tell you the untold story about why Comey needed to be fired why the White House needs to reevaluate how they deal with the media, and so much more. And we're going to t- show all the fake news. We have a new segment on the program, you know, our fake news uh, up daily update. It's actually a lot of fun. All right, 10 Eastern, Hannity. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.